This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio, and we're going to jump right into topic in just a minute. Before we do that, I'd like to direct you to our sponsor, a pastor.org page that we have with our website. It's a great way to uh, sponsor a pastor with our ministry. So much of what we do is free for pastors because so many of the pastors we work with have no funds and resources to pay for services, but they're the ones that need the the help the most oftentimes. So our model of our ministry is that we raise money outside by those who want to support this work so we can offer so many of these services for free. That includes this podcast, Jim. We don't even have, I don't know if anybody notices, but we don't have ads on this podcast mm. and things. So if you want to help us, uh, support us. Other, you otherwise, you're going to have to hear about Pringles potato <laughs> chips or this Jack's frozen pizza in light of hospitality. That would be a whole pizza. podcast episode, actually, for us to talk about why we don't have ads. But that's a different conversation. So if you want to help support, go to sponsorpastor.org or you can go to the website, practicalshevening.com, and find the Sponsor Pastor link there. And, uh, and we, we would appreciate any support and help you want to give us. There's also tons of other resources there at the website. And you can leave reviews wherever you listen to this podcast. We do check those and try to... Try to gain either encouragement or try to learn how to how to sharpen what we're doing from your all's words. Uh, last thing I want to mention is on social media as well as the contact page of the website, you can reach out to us and give us a suggestion of of what you want us to be able to record. And, and we're, we continue most of the topics we cover are, are are because people have asked us to do it. And so what we want to talk about today, Jim, is you know how does a pastor deal with some of the frustrations that we feel in the ministry. We could talk about a lot of different kinds of frustrations, but yeah. today we have a specific one that we want to talk about because we're, we are convinced literally every pastor deals with this frustration, yeah. and that is the frustration with the flock and in a way that they they don't respond like we, we hope they will. They're not growing like, like we're hoping they will. They, mm-hmm. they don't engage like we're wanting them to be able to do that. And, and so... I, we want to talk about that frustration and what do we do with it? You know, is right. it, I think that pastors are human beings and they're pouring their lives out for the flock in the ways that we do ministry. And when those frustrations come, it's a reflection of expectations not being met, maybe being hurt by something that's happened. Right. But we're human beings and we got we to gotta do something with that or, as we know, it'll come out in bad ways. <laughs> so we want to be able to talk we about can, how do we deal yeah. with it in a healthy way. And, and, and first, be able to recognize these frustrations. One, they exist with every pastor. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have them. Mm-hmm. But we want to be able to deal with them in a healthy way and a God-honoring way. So why don't you set us up biblically on this topic? Brian, I think we see in both the Old and the New Testament, in the life of our Lord and in the uh, ministry of the apostles and the ministries of the prophets and others, that there are times when there is seemingly a degree of frustration being expressed. Oh, faithless generation, how long must I put up with you? Um, Are you still unbelieving? Those kinds of things. Uh, You have uh, Paul saying to the Galatians, I'm amazed that you are so quickly uh, uh, falling away. Who has bewitched you that this happened so quickly? How did this happen to you? Uh, some expressions he has to the uh, to the Corinthians, and then you have, uh, I think, the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter five, saying to the congregation, "By now you ought to be teachers, and you have need of someone coming and teaching you the f- the first yep. the elementary principles yep. uh, and, and this kind of thing. That this is this isn't right. There was an expectation that, given the amount of time." 
given the kind of ministry that you've been under, given the exhortations that you've heard, given the sermons that you heard, that it would produce something in your life that has not yet been produced. And it's not okay. Uh, I'm yeah. not okay with it. And, yeah. and right, so there is, there is. Just, so just trying to lay the ground that there is, uh, and maybe we're already getting in a little bit that you know that there are times when it is expressed. So I think that you have it in the scriptures. You have the Lord expressing it toward His people. You have the prophets expressing it toward the old covenant people. You have the Lord Jesus at times, even toward His own dear loved ones, and then the apostles are writing to churches that they loved. Uh, expressing what has been given to them, what privileges are theirs, uh, and and what a growth ought to have looked like versus where it is. And, yeah, and there it is. There's that's good. What we might call frustration. I also think I think of the the, the letters to the churches in Revelation. Yeah. I mean, also, yeah. one other thing to throw out there, and that he specifically says to them, like it, there, it doesn't mean there's not good things happening, but like these some of these core things. Don't exist. You know, you've lost your first love. You've, you know, he he confronts them yeah. on the things that these are the these are the basic things you should be right holding yeah, to. Yeah, fast some of you, you're holding in. to doctrines that I hate. You're yeah. holding to practice. How yeah. did that happen? Right? Yeah. Is that how is that said? How how is that meant to be conveyed? Is yeah. that I, I think there is a level of yeah. That's good. This isn't just wrong, but it's seriously wrong. It's frustrating. Yeah. That that you are not. Uh, producing in light of what you've been given. So I think the first place to go with this, Jim, is is just highlight the balance that we all have to try to find as pastors. Let's talk about that first. And that's the balance of, I need to love and accept you where you are right. as a sheep in this flock, right. as your pastor. It's how Jesus loves you and right. knows you. Yep. And and that being a legit thing uh, and how we relate to, to people in the congregation. And this other side to balance it out of of being able to to press and to motivate and to uh, challenge people to grow in the way that in a lot of the texts you brought up that the the New Testament writers model how they they pushed and challenged people to grow. How do we find that balance? Because those <laughs> right. in a way kind of feel like two opposing. And let's they they do at times, right? In, in what, let me say this before you respond: that the in best intentions to find that balance. There's rarely not a balance. Like even the one who's aware, I got to just love this person where they are. But then we rush to pushing them on something, or mm. vice versa. We're right. aware of the things I need to push them on, but we just never push them on it. Right. And we live in this place. Is can we? I think I need to ask the question this way: Can we even find the balance, or are these opposing ideas? I don't think they are opposing ideas. Okay. But, again, I, but this gets down to really pastoral labor, which is uh, shepherding the flock that's among you. And that's, you, you can't treat everybody the same way. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, yeah. when, now, in public ministry, you're going to give some of this the same way. But you, you recognize that the scriptures talk to those who are weak and those who are strong, those who are mature, those who are immature. John addresses children, young men, and fathers. And, and he's not talking about literally in that sense. He's talking about, about spiritually. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a baby. There's nothing wrong with being an infant. We all start our Christian lives in infancy. 
but there is a compulsion in the word to see people brought up to maturity. Paul says that in in first uh, or sorry Colossians chapter one. Yep. Him we preach, exhorting every man with all with with all uh, teaching and wisdom that we might present every man complete in Christ. Yeah. And to this end we labor according to His power that works mightily in me. There's yeah. a goal to present. God's people in, in, in a maturity, so in a sense, so that there is a lessening of this pastoral frustration. Yeah. You have Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Christ giving gifts to the church, unto on, on what end? Well, he gives apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers because people are being tossed and driven yeah. about by every wind and wave, because yeah. they are being like children, and they need to be brought to uh, maturity. Yeah. Uh, I think, Brian, you have that exhortation uh, that Paul gives in uh, 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 2 Timothy uh, 3, all scripture is given by inspiration, it's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, and then he uses this expression for training in righteousness, which more literally is child training in righteousness. And I think that's a really crucial thing to ask, how do children... How do children grow in righteousness? How do children learn? Children learn through simplicity and repetition mm-hmm. uh, and through some chastisement and encouragement. Okay. But they need to be taught certain things over and over and over again. But Okay, let's, let's carry that metaphor on to, this, to, tr- to go back to the question I asked. How do you not mistake a three-year-old for a right. 16-year-old and demand that of them? Right. Or the reverse, and I think this is going to be... I think this is a really... Uh, accurate comparison. How do you take the adult man who's living in perpetual adolescence, the 30-year-old adult man right. who still acts like he's 16? Right. That, how do you differentiate what's happening? Well, and, and, how, and then how, how do you address it? Okay, right. Well, I think there you, I think, I think the book of Hebrews is, is a very good one because he says, by this time you ought to be. Right. And that's a recognition of he's talking to a people that he knows he knows what kind of ministry they've been under. Uh, he talks earlier in the book about the kind of ministry that they had had. He knows the privileges that they've had. He knows what they have been given, and he assesses where they are. And he realizes, to his frustration, there are things I want to talk about in this case, about Jesus being a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. There are things about this that are hard to explain, not because they're hard in and of themselves, but because you have become dull of hearing. And he's going to he's going to address that. He's going to address this is this is the cause of it, and this is my assessment of where you are. Now again, he's helped by the Holy Spirit to have a, a very accurate assessment yeah. of them. But he but you you can say on the one hand to to some person, look, we need to be very patient with them. They're new to the faith and 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 whatnot. And and, and maybe again publicly as you preach, you say, look, there are some of you who are newer to the faith. I don't expect I don't expect you to know these things. But listen, some of you have been believers for 10, 20, 30 years, and you still want baby talk sermons, mm-hmm. and, and you're frustrated or you're angry when somebody compels you to use your brain and to think or to or, or, or mentions a truth in the Bible beyond John 3.16. That's yeah. not right, folks. So let me ask you a question around that, because that's a great point. Like the, op, the most obvious, I agree with you, is how long has somebody walked Jesus mm-hmm. as a as – a, on what you, you – you don't ever grow faster than somebody else when you're an infant. You grow at the same exactly rate. Exactly right. Everybody else, and, and that, that principle is good. But I inherited 
the 70, 80, 90 year old who's followed Jesus for 60 years, right? but were pretty biblically ignorant, had no theological categories. So even though they followed Jesus all these years, uh, you know, decades, do I, do I hold them to a different standard or do I take them at 90 years old and see them at spiritual maturity and and realize I have to be slow and gentle with them, even though they shouldn't have stayed in that place. Yeah. So I think you have to ask some questions, and you have to say, is, is there a a personal liability and responsibility here? And I think for almost anybody living today, particularly in our culture, you have to say yes. That that look, you may have you may have not had good ministry here. It may be that you know part of the reason you're suffering is that. You had a, a, a pastoral parent, as it were, who gave you cupcakes and, and uh, Twinkies and uh, Pop-Tarts every week, and you have no nutrients, and so you're flabby, and you're, you're, you've never been exercised in that. And so some of yeah. that, I want to say, look, some of that's not your fault. Yeah. That's how you were nourished. That's, that was the home you grew up in. Yeah. Like, like kids, uh, you hear about certain parts of the country where they're bottle-fed on, on Mountain Dew, and their teeth are rotting out. Well, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily their fault. That's, that's the bad of you know bad parenting at some point it becomes your responsibility yeah and we do live in a day and age in which we can say to we can say to the lord's people listen there there have there has never been more information available today to help you to grow mm-hmm. you have never had such ready access to the word of god not no generation in all of human His, history, history. Yep. Yep. has had the ability you can have the Bible read to you in multiple translations. You, you can read it on your phone. It's in your pocket. You don't have to carry around a big book with you. you stick in your earbuds. Listen as you drive. Whatever, whatever the case may be, you can listen to top-tier preaching all the time that's out there readily. If you want to grow, if you want to know the Lord, there is no excuse for most people, because you're not living in isolation, you're not in prison somewhere, or you're, you're not in a concentration camp where your resources are very limited to you. You have the whole Word of God given to you. You have tools available at any level from basic education level on upward to a seminary courses available on yep. iTunes to you free of charge yeah. uh, that are available to you. And so you want to say sometimes, look, you walk with the Lord for this long, and there again. So uh, you know. So you're. Fr- you, we may be. I think legitimately frustrated sometimes. I think the writer of the Hebrews is legitimately frustrated, and we're going to ask him, "How do you?" So when am I gentle? Okay, look, I'm going to. I care about you, but brother, I'm telling you, we've been dealing with this issue in your life for ten years. For ten years, we've been talking about this pattern. Uh, in your life, or you know, whatever it is, excessive talking, or or uh, uh, how you treat your wife, how you your 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 indifference to your children, your indifference to the stated meetings of the church, your unwillingness to ever volunteer for anything, whatever the case might be, uh, that that the, there comes a time. A I've been gentle. We've we've been patient, but this comes to the point of crisis and confrontation. Because look, I I, I want. Brother, honestly, I am frustrated to the point where I, I feel like I'm sinning, but I need to vent this towards you in yeah. a right way by way of confrontation also. So let's get there in a minute, but I, I think your metaphors are more metaphors you use are helpful in that, that I don't think I've thought of until you said it, in that thinking about those people who've technically followed Jesus for decades but are still immature, they're still 
drinking the milk, you yep. know, not eating the meat. And but but even the illustrations you talked about, they they lived on cupcakes and Twinkies. Well, the result of that is potentially that they're they're potentially you know two hundred pounds overweight, right? And that's the state you find them in, right? When the infant, though, is an infant, is is going to be able to grow into, you know, yeah. a, 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 be able to run the race in a healthy yeah. way in a way yeah. that this other person. So, in other words, I think it's something to think about. They older members who followed Jesus for a long time, but have stayed in a shallow, immature place. It's not like they just stayed there. They developed some really unhelpful right. and healthy habits right. that is is kind of put them under ground zero. They're not at that level yeah. playing field. So I think we'd have to we have to keep that in mind. We do, too, right? right. Yeah. And, and right, right. There, 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 there is a culture. There is a church culture that that grew up uh, for for years that you you didn't have expository preaching. You didn't go through books of the Bible. You had a very John three sixteen centric view. It was uh, the whole purpose of the church. You get and I heard I've, I've been in churches like this. I've heard preachers say this when they would get to the invitation. Now we come to the most important part of the service. Now, if you wanted to ask a guy, do you literally mean that? Do you mean that more than God being worshipped, more than the saints being fed, that this whole thing is geared toward? getting someone to walk the aisle and make a decision. Well, if, if that's the culture of your church, where it is a decisionistic culture, well, then you're never going to, it's all geared toward the unbeliever who comes, and it's not geared toward the maturing of the and, saints. And it's not going to It's build, not Ephesians chapter yeah. 4, yeah. where every joint is supplying, you know, because there's a lot of things that do go into growth. And particularly, again, you take a, an era where the Bible a Bible was not available, you know, and like uh, the time of the book of Ephesians was written, people didn't have their own Bibles and, and they needed the ministry of the word and they needed other, and they certainly, we still do. We certainly, you need the, you need ministry, you need others to help come along and yeah. to grow. And some, some are stagnated in their growth because they've never been fed. And again, I think you do need to treat that one differently. You need to diagnose triage yeah. and say, okay, this is, this is what they've had, and I need to realize as a pastor when I come in, I can't give them strong meat right away. Right. But but I am going to build them up. There's a horrifying scene and uh, that uh, out of history when the uh, when the Americans came in and liberated the concentration some of the concentration camps and they saw these skeletal Jews. Yeah. And they all started opening up their their MREs and other things, and and wanted to you know give them all this food. And a doctor screaming to them, "You're going to kill them. Mm-hmm. They can't handle can't it. Can't handle they, it. Yet. They, they've yep. been starved. They can't handle what you want to give them. Yeah. And so we do need to know that. Uh, so th- there is a part of that. So that that comes to. Yeah, you may be frustrated. You were frustrated at the ministry. You're frustrated at the church culture that has stunted the growth of, of certain believers. I think we've gotten into this, but I do want to turn for the last few minutes to, so how does a pastor deal with the frustration? We've talked about how does he maneuver through that? How does he maybe assess the situation with each person he's trying to deal with? But pastors, how do, how do they deal with the, the actual frustration? Any, any thoughts on how that pastor deals with his own soul in the midst of his own frustration? Yeah. So I think <laughs> there's some caveats. Uh, don't vent publicly. Uh, okay. Don't angry. We can start don't, there. Don't right. angry vent. Uh, the the famous R.C. Sproul meme. What's wrong with you people? Or yeah. or or you know, give the I'm gonna I'm gonna preach the sermon about the ten things that irritate me about this church. Or uh, you know, whatever it is. Or the I've had it 
sermon. You know, I'm sick and tired of whatever I've had at sermon. By the way, we need to start here, don't we? Some guys think we don't. But we actually do, because there's tons of pastors who actually do exactly what you're oh, talking right. about. Yeah, so anyways, there's, a, there's a reason why I'm saying Keep this. going, but right, that, like, that's right. where we so got to start. You, you, yeah, so you need to be very careful with that. And you need to ensure that what you're frustrated with is not just your own frustrated expectations of what you wanted the church to be, what you dreamed of the church being, and and, and you and, and, and that they're making it hard for you. Yeah, yeah. And that they need to be pastored maybe more than you wanted to pastor. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, you you, yeah. you thought, well, I'll I'll give the word and it'll do the work and and you realize that oh oh no, it's not it's not working. It's it and and so you're frustrated with them. So we've talked earlier in other podcasts assessing is it me? Am I doing it wrong? Yeah. But if we're, we have a good conscience that we're giving the word, I think we, we do need we need to trust the word, trust the power of the word. We talked in a, a previous podcast, Brian, about that earning of the collateral. And so, okay, are they, are they having trouble hearing it from me? Am I not being as clear? Am I not being specific? Am I not applying the word? And we can ask ourselves some of these questions. Yep. Um, uh, but then how do I handle it? Well, I think you can... I think, Brian, the best way to handle things in this kind of a situation with a long-term goal is that as you as you trust the Lord, is that as you preach the word, that there will be opportunity to address everything that you need to address in in biblical proportion. In due time, you will come to text. If this is if what's on your heart is on God's heart, it's going to come out in the word, and it's going to come out repeatedly in the word and that you'll have opportunity to deal with it. And it's a whole lot better when you all of a sudden you say you're preaching through like I did through Deuteronomy and there was all the stuff going on in society of preaching through Deuteronomy at one point and there's stuff about reparations and there's stuff about communicable diseases and and all of this kind of stuff and at the same time you've got, you know, COVID is going on and the social justice stuff is going on and all these frustrations well suddenly now you're dealing with it you know, because there's a text in front of you rather than saying, I'm going to try to find some text somewhere to deal with these Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And there's a benefit that comes. Okay, look, if I'm frustrated, people don't show hospitality. I'm frustrated there's not generosity. I'm frustrated by a lack of love. I'm frustrated by a lack of the fruit of the Spirit, whatever the case might be. I should have plenty of opportunity as I work my way through passage after passage, verse after verse, uh, to be able to deal with things and then say, folks, look, this wasn't, you know, I, I can say, look, I realize that need and text came together here in a way that seems like it was orchestrated yeah. by me. But we believe this is divinely orchestrated because we've chosen to work our way through these passages. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful. I, I think, you know, you bring up some important points. And I, and I think even hearing you say that last part was, you can be frustrated that you're not seeing things you really that are good things that right. you long hopefully they are good things. I mean, I guess we could get frustrated as you know, you people don't give enough money, you know, or you people don't know. Like, but giving people, pastors the benefit of the doubt, they're desiring good spiritual things, mm-hmm. maturing maturing for the for the flock. I would say two things if you're feeling frustrated. Well, before that, I want to acknowledge again: if you're frustrated, it's okay. Yeah. Like you're a human being. You're giving your life to this. You're pouring out for people. Yeah, and I, I just want to acknowledge. I, I don't. I think it's totally appropriate for us to go through seasons of discouragement and frustration. Yeah, right. There are that righteous our expectations so, that what our ministry sorry. should produce. So I want to say that first. After saying that, though, 
I want to say if you're frustrated, and I would add, if you find yourself regularly frustrated, yeah. uh, that that's kind of the tenor of how you're you're functioning. I think you probably lack two things. You lack patience mm-hmm. and you lack grace. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times our frustration comes from an expectation we have right. on timing right. and progress right. that apparently in the sovereignty of God is different than what God has right. in that moment. Right, right, right. In right. the grand scheme of things. So I do want to press that. If you're if you're frustrated again and it's an ongoing frustration, it's not the human side of me invested a ton in this person and now they just left the church and abandoned the faith. Like I, I can be yeah. sad and frustrated over that. But because I'm not seeing the quick growth I want to see or whatever it is, I think we have to most so much pastoral discouragement comes because pastors have an expectation that God just doesn't have. Hmm. And when we realize that our expectation is different, pastors do this all the time with man, I wish there were more people here. Right. And it's like, but what if this is how many people God wants here right, right now? Hmm. Too many guys get we just drank way too deep from the church growth fountain for the, the right. 90s and the 2000s more than we realize yeah we put so we do get frustrated with setting expectations on things that actually ironically are really superficial in evaluating spiritual growth and maturing so i think we have to be mindful that how much we need to grow in patience and grace under trusting god has you where you are and you said it yourself you do your ministry you be faithful in that but you all you can do is minister the word you're the one that's says all the time, then in regard to these contexts, you can lead the horse to water, but yeah. you can't make him drink. And, and I think pastors have to realize what our role is, and then what, what is God's role? Right. That oftentimes can help the frustration. Yeah. I think a couple other things, Brian, we'll just share real quickly here on this. One thing we might need is that we might find that we need, we might need a break. You know, that sometimes the, our frustration is because we're really worn out. Yeah, that's good. And, yep. and I have found that when I'm frustrated like, and I vent in a pastor's, uh, an elder's meeting, uh, and that brings, uh, I realize I might need some time. I'm, I need some time. I need some perspective. I think, secondly, we need to be very careful uh, if, if we vent, if we're not going to vent publicly in a sermon uh, to whom we vent, uh, because we we could find ourselves venting to somebody in the church about others in the church. It's very unhelpful. We can find yep. ourselves in our elders' meetings doing nothing but venting and complaining about the congregation. Right, it's very right. unhelpful. We can find ourselves when we get together with other pastors. All we do is vent and speak about our frustrations. I don't think that that's really healthy. Now, we need to be able to do it at some point. I don't think your wife should be the one that you vent. I don't think it ought to be around the dinner table that your kids are hearing you vent about the church or how frustrated you are because they're not going to love the church if they hear that, you know, boy, it's dad's job. He sure doesn't love the church. So I think we need to be very careful. We need to take our complaints to the Lord. I think we need to be able to wisely share our frustrations and our burdens with others. But we need to pick that, uh, to whom we share that with, I think is an important aspect of this. That's a great word. So my final word is just to affirm what you said in that I agree with everything you just said, and yet we have to find the balance of realizing we have to be able to talk about our frustrations in a healthy way, in a safe place. Right. So yeah, we the lament psalms give us an excellent place to lament to the Lord and how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think we'd go there. But then a trusted, say, person, whether it's another pastor, whether it's, you know, 
an, an elder, if you have an elder at church that you can talk to about it, and, and you, he realizes he needs to just hold that space for you to talk about those things. That that's totally different than sitting around for two hours just venting right, around exactly, a table and exactly, there's no solution. Exactly. But the other part is, I think this is why pastoral friendship outside of your own church is so important. Yeah. Find another pastor that you both can lament together appropriately and pray for each other and just and love one another in it. But then also be aware of look, we, okay, that we we've talked about this. Let, let's we need to we need to shift the thought. This is getting to an unhelpful place. Like somebody who even can put us can say, all right, yeah. we've done this enough. Somebody you trust, another pastor friend to be able to do. I think that's crucial. So, yeah. Jim, we we take a minute and uh, and pray for pastors who are frustrated trying sure. to deal with all of this. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you are so patient with us. We thank you for your steadfast love. We thank you, Father, also that you're committed to our good and you will deal with us and confront us and show us ourselves in the mirror of the word. And Father, we pray for help and wisdom as we minister to others uh, to have um, righteous expectations rooted in your promises, rooted in the power of your word, uh, but also to know where people are and to deal with them in accordance with their uh, their privileges and with their responsibilities. Father, do help us. We, 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 we fear uh, error on the left and on the right. Uh, Lord, help us to, give a, uh, to drive a straight course uh, as you would uh, have us to do according to your revealed will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.